Sport continuously provides its audience with powerfully emotional, healing, and influential moments. And nearly always, these moments are remembered alongside the calls from the broadcasters, lucky enough to be behind the microphone the minute the amazing happens. But what makes them unforgettable stretches far beyond the 30-second clip in which it's captured. This is Mark Grandy, and you're listening to Golden Tones, a podcast dedicated to the art of play-by-play broadcasting, analyzing not the play on the field, but the voices of the people in the booth. Roll the tape. One ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. in the deep south for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly for Henry Aaron, who was met at home plate not only by every member of the Braves, but by his father and mother. He threw his arms around his father, and as he left the home plate area, his mother came running across the grass threw her arms around his neck, kissed him for all she was worth. I know, I know, it took me long enough to get to a Vince Scully call. This one is Scully's call of Henry Hank Aaron's record-breaking 715th career big league home run on Los Angeles' KABC AM radio on April 8, 1974, inside Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. There are so many great Scully calls to choose from, but I also wanted to honor Aaron after he passed away earlier this year. We'll get to Scully's call shortly, but first, we need to know what led to this moment. Aaron entered the 1974 season with 713 career Major League home runs, one shy of tying Babe Ruth's record. From 1954 through 1973, Aaron's first 20 seasons, he hit 40 or more home runs eight different times, including 40 exactly in the year prior, 1973, and 30 or more 15 times, and he only hit fewer than 24 home runs in a single season once, and that was when he hit 13 home runs as a 20-year-old rookie. But still, all of that wasn't enough to tie or break Ruth's long-standing record. So Aaron needed to wait out the offseason, 187 days to be exact, from Atlanta's final game in 1973 to the team's opening day in 1974. But it wasn't as simple as just waiting for the new season to begin. Over the winter, Aaron received death threats and hate mail from racists and white supremacists who were upset that a black man was on the verge of breaking a sacred record held by a white man. The letters and messages including racial slurs and threats. One letter told Aaron to, quote, retire or die, warning Aaron that he'd attend numerous Brave games during the 1974 season and shoot him from the upper deck or the bleachers. 
This specific letter even included a crude diagram showing how he could murder Aaron while Aaron was in right field. The Atlanta Journal reportedly received a number of phone calls complaining that the paper covered Aaron's chase of Ruth's record. The editor of the journal even quietly had an obituary written, fearing that Aaron might be murdered. Braves management eagerly wanted Aaron to both tie and break Ruth's record in Atlanta, but the team's schedule created a bit of an issue. The Braves opened the 1974 campaign with a three-game series against the Reds in Cincinnati before heading to Atlanta for a 10-game homestand. Fearing that Aaron could hit one or two home runs in the first three games of his age 40 season, the plan was for Aaron to sit out the season's opening series. But Bowie Kuhn, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, objected, saying that he expected Aaron to play in at least two of Atlanta's three games in Cincinnati. Aaron started on opening day, a Thursday, and in his first at-bat, in the top of the first inning, hit a three-run home run, his 714th big fly, tying Ruth's record. Aaron didn't record another hit in the game, but he was walked and scored another run. The Braves held Aaron out of the second game of the season on Saturday. Kuhn, though, reportedly called Eddie Matthews, Atlanta's manager, and directed him to start Aaron in Sunday's series finale, threatening to impose serious penalties. Matthews did start Aaron on Sunday. He struck out twice and grounded out once in a 5-3 win. The Braves then hosted the Los Angeles Dodgers the next day, April 8th, in the team's home opener. Aaron batted cleanup, but the Dodgers' Al Downing retired the Braves in order in the bottom of the first inning. Leading off in the bottom of the second, Aaron worked a walk and scored on a Dusty Baker double to left field. That run scored Aaron's 2,063rd, by the way, broke Willie Mays' all-time National League record for runs scored. In the fourth inning, though, with Atlanta trailing 3-1, Daryl Evans reached on a Dodgers error. And then Aaron stepped to the plate, still without an official at-bat at home this season after walking in the second frame. He watched Downing's first pitch skip across the dirt and then stepped back into the batter's box. One ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. in the deep south for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly for Henry Aaron, who was met at home plate not only by every member of the Braves, but by his father and mother. He threw his arms around his father, and as he left the home plate area, his mother came running across the grass threw her arms around his neck, kissed him for all she was worth. Again, that's Vin Scully on KABC AM. We'll get to his call in a second. Aaron went on to hit 18 more home runs in 1974 to finish with 20 on the season, his last in Atlanta and as a part of the Braves organization. 
About a month after the season ended, Aaron was traded to the Milwaukee Brewers. Aaron spent the first 12 years of his major league career in Milwaukee with the Braves before they relocated to Atlanta. But then Brewers president and future baseball commissioner Bud Selig helped broker the deal that allowed Aaron to finish his career back home in Milwaukee. He hit 22 home runs in two seasons with the Brewers, including his last one, number 755 on July 20, 1976, and retired after that season. He was inducted to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1982 and received votes on 97.8% of ballots, which was, at the time, second only to Ty Cobb. In addition to holding the career home run record from 1974 to 2007, Aaron also holds the career RBI, total bases, and extra base hits records. He appeared in a record 25 All-Star games in 23 big league seasons, Two All-Star games were held each season from 1959 through 1962, making this odd feat possible. To make a long story short, Aaron is one of the greatest baseball players to ever live, and this April night in Atlanta is one of the most magnificent moments in baseball history. Let's see how Scully handled the challenge. He begins by setting up Downing's next pitch. One ball and no strikes, Aaron waiting, the outfield deep and straight away. We've talked about this in past baseball episodes, but I always enjoy when a baseball broadcaster on the radio says the count before and after every pitch. After Downing's first pitch missed the strike zone, Scully simply said, ball one. Now before the next pitch, he says, one ball and no strikes. Not only did he get the information across again, but he also didn't repeat himself, at least not word for word. But the point is that Scully is checking in on the count often enough that the audience isn't left wondering what the status of the at-bat is, and he's being creative enough to not sound like a broken record. He also subtly says, Aaron waiting. First of all, this tells the audience, some of whom could have just turned the game on, that Aaron is at the plate. It also obviously means that he's waiting on Downing's second pitch of the at-bat. I think Scully's statement here also has a bit of a larger meaning. Aaron hasn't just been waiting on this pitch since the last pitch. He's been waiting on this moment for months, since the 1973 season end. He's been waiting patiently, despite all that has got in his way, to finally have the opportunity to break Ruth's record. Whether or not Scully meant it this way, I'm not entirely sure, but it does work in this sense too. When he finishes up that thought though, Scully realizes he still has a bit of time before the pitch. So he calmly checks on the Dodgers' defense, telling us that the outfield is deep and straight away. Scully doesn't need a reason to say this other than simply, the more information, the better when broadcasting baseball on the radio, but it almost serves as foreshadowing. Los Angeles is playing deep, hoping to deny the future home run king another big fly. Of course, outfields routinely played Aaron deep, but still... Scully's mention of it convinces the listener that the Dodgers are expecting something hit deep to the outfield, which I imagine is what the audience might be expecting too. Then the pitch comes, and Aaron makes contact. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone! Scully, with all that he's keeping an eye on and making sure he's aware of, has the wherewithal to identify the pitch downing throws before or at least at the same exact moment as Aaron makes contact. It's a fastball, which is the easiest pitch to identify, but it takes a quick and trained eye to rapidly make that observation 
vocalize it, and stay on top of the action that follows, and Scully does it. Then, as Aaron follows through on his swing, Scully begins his home run call. I can't quite tell if Scully says, there's a high drive, or it's a high drive, and part of that is because the crowd and Scully react at the same time. As the crowd roars, Scully's voice rises and his tone changes, because of course, in that moment, he sees the fly to the ball and instantly knows he might be watching history. He then tells the audience what he's seeing, a high drive into deep left center field. Okay, the audience knows the direction of the ball, that's a good detail to mention. And Buckner goes back to the fence. Alright, that's a great detail to add too, because not only does it further contextualize the moment to know that Bill Buckner, the left fielder, is the closest dodger to the play, but it also reaffirms that the ball is hit very well. All good broadcasters, regardless of team affiliation, should be able to quickly identify the key members of a given play. Scully would be able to do what he did here, identify the left fielder quickly for any team, I'm sure, but he was definitely aided by the fact that he was the radio voice of the Dodgers. He knows his team as well as anyone else and could probably tell you that Buckner was back near the fence with his eyes closed. But still, it's one thing to know it and another thing to find the time to say it. And even more impressive, I'll argue, is that Scully made this call completely unbiased, and even very excited while working for the Dodgers. A member of the Braves just hit a game-tying home run against the team you work for. And yet, this sounds, from start to finish, like a national radio call, or even an Atlanta radio call. Now, it's possible that not everyone likes that. That fans of a team would prefer to hear a bit of frustration from their broadcasters in a moment such as this. But you won't get that from Scully. He stays unbiased and doesn't let his affiliation impact his calls. He shows a distinct love and appreciation for the game of baseball and respect for one of the game's legends by, for a second, forgetting his Dodger roots and calling this home run as if he were on CBS or some other national station. You might argue with me, well, of course he called it this way. It's a record-breaking home run. Everyone would call it like that. But I'd ask you this. How many great sports moments are remembered alongside the call made by the opposing broadcaster? Moments like this one are nearly always paired with the calls made by the national or the other team's broadcasters. And by the way, that's not to say that Milo Hamilton, then the voice of the Braves, didn't deliver a memorable call of Aaron's home run. He did, and I seriously considered using his call as the subject of this episode. But ultimately, I decided on Scully, because despite his hundreds of other great calls, this is my favorite from his legendary career. Anyway, after he says that Buckner is back, Scully tells us that the ball clears the wall. Let's listen to it again. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone! Scully extends the pronunciation of just about every sound in the word gone adding extra emphasis and drama into the moment. And then he takes a back seat, as he always did in moments like this. For 25 seconds, give or take, Scully doesn't say a single word.
during these 25 seconds, you can hear the endless rumble of the crowd, the fireworks going off above Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, and get a sense of the gravity of the moment as every second passes. I even get the idea that Scully is using this time to improve the broadcast not only by letting the natural environment do the talking, but also by soaking the moment in, letting his surroundings inform what he should say next, which of course he does. What a marvelous moment for baseball. What a marvelous moment for Atlanta and the state of Georgia. What a marvelous moment for the country and the world. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the Deep South for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. We hear the baseball fan in Scully here when he says, what a marvelous moment for baseball. That it is. Then he says, what a marvelous moment for Atlanta, for Georgia, for the country, and for the world. By repeating what a marvelous moment a number of times in quick succession, Scully is employing the rhetorical device anaphora, which is the repetition of a word or phrase at the beginning of successive phrases or sentences. It helps the author, or in this case, the speaker, to express a strong feeling, to create rhythm, and to clearly link ideas together, and Scully certainly accomplishes that here. But he goes a step further and explains why this is such a marvelous moment. It's because Aaron, the black man that was sent hundreds of death threats during his chase of Ruth's home run record, is being cheered and applauded continually in a historically racist city and state. It's a powerful observation and a flawless and delicate articulation by Scully. He's still not done, though, because next he focuses his attention on Aaron himself. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly for Henry Aaron, who was met at home plate not only by every member of the Braves, but by his father and mother. Scully says Aaron's name here for the first time since the pitch, almost exactly a full minute ago. In most instances, that would be a bit of an oversight by the broadcaster, but it doesn't feel like one here. I think that's because this moment is so much more than just crowning a new home run king. It's about what Scully had just described, and while Aaron deserves all of the credit for accomplishing such a feat, he can't, and never did, deny that this moment was larger than himself. And I think Scully's call mirrors that thought. And as Scully is discussing the significance of a moment like this, he's keeping an eye on the home plate area. He sees Aaron's father and mother embrace him, and almost as if he's narrating an instant replay, he tells us about their interaction, which happened at the same time that Scully was mentioning this marvelous moment. He threw his arms around his father, and as he left the home plate area, his mother came running across the grass, threw her arms around his neck, kissed him for all she was worth. I've often thought of Scully as more of a poet than a broadcaster, and this sentence is a key reason why. I think all broadcasters should study Scully and try to learn from him, but in this instance it might be a bit dangerous. Scully was clearly gifted an incredible moment, but I'm not sure there's ever been another broadcaster that has shared his calm yet firm storytelling ability along with his capacity to project, enunciate, and use tone to his benefit. I mean, again, as he's mentioning this marvelous moment, Aaron is embracing his parents, and as he's talking about something else, Scully is making mental notes of how Aaron is interacting with both his father and mother, only to later perfectly recite their moment of embrace. It's really remarkable stuff by Scully. 
What makes Scully's words even more powerful is that Aaron's mother, Estella, would later say that her hug of Aaron was to protect him in addition to love him. She said, If they, as in those that sent him death threats, were going to kill my son, they were going to have to kill me too. Let's listen to this again, from the end of his 25-second pause to this final line. What a marvelous moment for baseball. What a marvelous moment for Atlanta and the state of Georgia. What a marvelous moment for the country and the world. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the Deep South for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly for Henry Aaron, who was met at home plate not only by every member of the Braves, but by his father and mother. He threw his arms around his father, and as he left the home plate area, his mother came running across the grass, threw her arms around his neck, kissed him for all she was worth. What's truly incredible to me is that during the entirety of this call as I've presented it, Scully never actually says that Aaron's home run is a record breaker of any kind. He didn't mention that this swing of the bat pushed Aaron past Ruth. In fact, it wasn't until over 40 seconds after this call ends that Scully says that he's eclipsed Ruth's mark. And it wasn't until another minute after that that Scully explicitly says that it was the home run record that Aaron broke. Again, normally, I wouldn't suggest a broadcaster not mention the game-related significance of such a moment, even for something as plainly obvious as this one. But Scully so expertly fills the time with sounds and stories that are so clearly deserving of mention that the call doesn't suffer because of it. Few broadcasters could pull something like that off, and Scully is definitely one of them. Aaron's record-breaking home run is a moment that will forever be remembered. And Scully, as smoothly and calmly as Aaron's powerful swing, documented the moment perfectly on Los Angeles' KABC AM radio on April 8, 1974. Let's listen one final time. One ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. in the Deep South for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly for Henry Aaron, who was met at home plate not only by every member of the Braves, but by his father and mother. He threw his arms around his father, and as he left the home plate area, his mother came running across the grass threw her arms around his neck, kissed him for all she was worth. New episodes of Golden Tones drop each Tuesday morning. You can listen everywhere you get your podcast. Just search Golden Tones. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It'd be much appreciated. Also, do you have a call or highlight you think I should feature in a future episode? Let me know on Twitter at Golden Tones Pod or at Mark Grandy. 